Oh, this morning we're in joy. We just started this a couple weeks ago. Actually, one week ago. Today's part two. I'll finish this up on the uh, candlelight service, which is coming really fast to us. Grateful for that. I read a thing by Jeffrey Sachs. He's the director of the Earth Institute at Columbia University. And he published this World Happiness Report. And remember last weekend, I tried to spend a lot of time about joy, biblical joy, and that joy was different than happiness, that happiness depends on our circumstances. And joy is an inward happening of Christ in our lives. And listen to this. He says the report showed that the United States was one of the world's richest, economically uh, richest countries. And we're like, duh, we know that. Maybe the richest. But listen to this. It's number 15 on the happiness scale. So we can't necessarily equate happiness with great joy and great contentment when we have a lot of stuff in the Western world. And we found that true. I mean, we know that we enjoy probably being Westerners. I know I do. But joy and happiness have never been and will never be the same. And it's just interesting that uh, joy is that deep sense of pleasure, of delight, of the soul, of the inward happening, work, ministry, manifestation of the Holy Spirit that God has for us. And joy flows to that deep-rooted conviction that we know Jesus, that we walk with Him, that we delight in Him, that we rely on Him to be our strength versus things are going good for us. Oh, I pray right now. I pray all of you are happy, full, abundant, overflowing. Things are going great right now. If, if I put them on speaker dial, the, uh, the wheels would go, man, we are so happy. We are so thankful. We're so grateful. Man, my wife has a new lease on life. I got a Christmas miracle, man. We're praying for that. But the word joy is used 93 times just in the Old Testament. And then we find in a myriad, an unbelievable number of times in the New Testament. It's just the heart of Jesus. So a question that I'm asking us this morning, the robbery, what robs our joy? How do you get your joy back? What steals our joy? Because this morning, I'm going to talk about some things and I could talk about more, but I'm going to nail at least one of them in your life that's working to suck, to zap the joy out of your life. Some of you are like, two, one, two, I'm all seven, Pastor. You said seven, every one of them is affecting me. And I go, man, you, you, you got homework then, okay. But God wants to do something new. In 1974, Disney released a short film. Do you know what it is, Drew? No, that's horrible because, I mean, Drew's like, you know, being animated and all this great stuff, and he knows stuff about Disney. But in 1974, there was this great film, great release, and I've always loved it. It's called Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. You watched it lately, have you? And Tigger, too. And I love Tigger. Man, Tigger has a bounce. Matter of fact, some of your kids remind me of Tigger, and I won't tell you which ones. And, uh, you know, and, and, one, and part of that film, you know, he, 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 uh, the playful character is notable for what? For bouncing. He just bounces all around. We used to have a guy on our worship team, <laughs> Chrissy and others remember. And this guy, y'all thought I was pepped up when I had sugar and chocolate on a Sunday. Man, I'm comatose. This guy used to be a percussionist, and he literally bounced in the cage. Am I telling the truth? Well, I don't guess you saw him yet. It was hilarious, man. He would throw stuff up in the air, and it wouldn't land, you know? And he just had this, uh, but, but he reminded me of Tigger. And, and in this movie, the Tigger lovers, they get disturbed because he kind of in that movie kind of loses his bounce for a while. You know, so let's just kind of uh, substitute this morning thinking joy and bounce. You know, that's what I pray 
I'm not trying to say you need to be some extroverted bouncing around, especially when that's not your personality. But I do pray that you get a bounce in your life, in your spirit, that your spirit bounces because of the presence of Jesus. Guys, Don and I went off for a few days and came back last night and and I was listening, I listen to a lot of Christian radio stations, and we've got a new one here called Joy FM that I've enjoyed, and you've got Caleb, and you've got Faith Radio, and all these great stations. But something's happening this Christmas, I don't know if you've noticed, on some of the stations that I, I didn't think. They're Christian radio. It's Christmas. What is Christmas about? Jesus. And I'm listening to a lot of Christian radio lately, and some of these stations, and, and then I, there's this one near the coast that I love to listen to. It's called Power FM, 88.5, going down toward Gulf Shores. And I love this station because there's a lot of songs I don't hear up here. That's why I like Joy FM now. They do songs, K-Love, because K-Love has like seven, they repeat it. And, uh, oh, did I say that out loud? Anyway, and what I found that's happening, they're, they're playing more secular Santa songs than they are Jesus songs. This is the Christian radio stations. I'm like, it's about Jesus. And I'm flipping, I'm hitting scan, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, man, what is going on? It's like, man, come on. Like, oh, I love Silver Bells, and I love the Bing Crosby and different songs, and, and, and I like some of those fun songs. But when it all comes down to it, I just want to be filled with Jesus every day in this season. And you said, yeah, man, that's about Jesus. You want, you want to teach your kids, you want to teach your grandkids that well, and you want to have that bounce. But what steals your joy? Well, here's what I've learned after being a pastor for several decades. Marriage problems steal joy real fast. Painful relationships. Disobedient children. <laughs> Don't look at anybody. Health concerns. Financial struggles and woes. And on and on. And yet there's this joyful person named Jesus that comes to give you and me everlasting, eternal relationships. And man, I, I get through it about that. It's, it's, it's based on him. In Philippians 4, 4, as we said last weekend, always be full of joy. Again, I say rejoice. Paul, the book of joy, Philippians, he's trying to nail that down, that folks, we get bound up in the situations of our life, and we somehow let joy escape us, and it gets sucked out of us, and we walk through life in a kind of a bad way, a negative way. But there's seven things that I'm going to list, and you can list more. But get, go ahead and get ready to write down the first one. Overbooking of your schedule. Nobody in the room knows what I'm talking about, right? Have you ever overbooked your schedule, especially in December? Easy, easy to do. It's amazing. It's like you don't have anything going on, and all of a sudden everybody wants to do the same thing on that same night, the same weekend. And the rest of the time you're like, man, there's nothing going on. And it just happens. And trying to plan, that's, when we try to, that's why I try to let you know so far in advance what's coming. As Doug was talking about that wonderful meal, we're going to have the Christmas family gathering, what he omitted to tell you. And that's an awesome part. And Vicki and her team, we're going to eat, and you're going to bring stuff, and it's going to be amazing, and we're going to have fun. But to follow that is going to be a Christmas concert by our worship team. Amen? Amen? Man, y'all come, they're practicing, they're rehearsing, it's going to be great, it's going to get you in the spirit of the season, but overbooking your schedule. You know, here's the thing, well, what parties do I go to, what parties can I attend, which ones do I not, uh, i got to spend more time with my family, at least that's what I knew I should do, uh, gift shopping, present wrapping, I, and that's another one for me, all the extra activities and Christmas parties and this and that and school activities and the demands on your time and activities and all that. 
when you just get overbooked, it just gets hard. And sometimes you have to choose less and you go, God, what do you, show me what to do. But here's what I'd say. Just write this down. This is just a simple word. In this Christmas season, please don't run so fast that you run past Jesus. Pick, choose time to unplug every day. I, I think that's a great word, 365 days a year. But in this season, I'm holding up this morning, choose to unplug from all the stuff sometime during your day to have some time with Jesus, just to sit in his presence, just to read his word, just to tell him how much you love him, just to say, Lord, I want my full attention and my devotion to be on you. And that's easier said than done, but God wants us to do that. So we put our attention on Christ. Here it is. I know everybody's going to get mad. I brought my phone in here. I don't ever bring my phone, but today I took a picture of the Wilfords because I want to use it in future publications. I put it on silent, though, okay? And here's the thing. This thing right here, I love it. I enjoy it. We all live by it. But I got to tell you, sometimes this thing is annoying. I praise God. These are not redeemed. These are not going to heaven. Hallelujah. Doug, take a picture of that and put that on there. Hallelujah. The pastor's happy. It's not going to heaven. It's phone. Unplug. Every once in a while, I forget my phone. Not often. One day, I, I forgot it at home not long ago. And everything within me said, leave it. There's only one problem. My life is in this phone. And that day I knew I had a lot of phone calls coming from a lot of different things going on inside the church. And I thought, that would be rude of me. But I thought, it would be a very good day. You know what I did? I was almost at church. I had to turn around. You ever done that before? Get somewhere and you go, forgot my phone. And you got to turn around and go back and get it. Unless you're Blake. Blake lives right next door to the church. Okay, not so bad. Like a couple doors down. He can just walk down there. But there it is. So your phone, un unplug. And here's the other thing. I know you're saying, ah, oh, Pastor, but overbooking, overbooking, overbooking. Hey, social media can wait. They're going to live without you, okay? Give them, give them a break. They might say, what happened? So don't overbook. Here's the word. Outside, beside, don't overbook. I want you to write one word. Prioritize. Prioritize. Don't commit to doing everything that's in the season, but be willing to say, as a Wilfred, they set me up. Say no to some things and say yes to God. Say no to some things and say yes to God. In this season, above all seasons, yes, Jesus. I want to worship you. I want to spend time with you. I want, I want to, uh, right now, I'm reading a new devotional book this Christmas season for Advent. Ah, oh, it's rich. I love it. I, I've read so many devotionals over the year, and, and I found this new one that I just got really excited about, and I'm reading it, and then I'm reading all these scriptures, and it's full of the scripture, and I'm just finding new ways just to connect and to meet with Jesus. So I encourage us to do that. Don't overbook. Now let's look at the next one. Overspending. No, no, nobody knows what I'm talking about there, right? That'll create stress. That'll, that'll suck the joy out of you real quick. You overspend. You know, the, the simplest thing to do, we started this years ago in our own marriage and with our own kids, and now, and we literally do the physical, and I know you have it on computer and you have an app for it. Get an envelope. Choose, even if you have to, get an envelope for every person on your Christmas list and go ahead and set a budget ahead of time and spend that and no more. Because it, it's weird when I have to talk to people and they're so stressed out because of all the debt that they ran up during this season. And then they went, I don't know why I don't have any more joy. It's all, it's all gone, man. I'm just broke. I'm just, I got a bad attitude. I'm like, I know, I know, you overspent. You know, just pause enough to hear from God. Here's a couple of practical steps. Listen to this. Plan out your budget, write a list. To me, that is so practical. I just think everybody does that. I mean, because I do it, I think everybody does it. And I learned nothing. hardly anybody does it. Man, you write a list. You, you create a spending plan. It's, it's just smart. You develop that. You be mindful. A second thing is, 
and, and this is hard, especially for men. Men, when, when we walk in like Home Depot, does anybody get a little excited when you walk in Home Depot? I mean, do you, do you just see stuff you just want? I mean, you're never going to use it, but you just think, man, that needs, I need that. You know, don't buy on impulse. I mean, when you buy an impulse, I remember somebody telling me that decades ago. Man, this will help your Christian witness. This will help your pocketbook. This will help you have more margin to support missionaries. This will give you more margin to do kingdom things if you don't just always buy on impulse. And it's just wise. And, you're saying that's, and then a third one, and I know, I, know, I know I'm a dinosaur in this. I know I am, but it just has worked. So I've modeled this. I teach this. I believe this. And yes, I do use credit cards, but I've never paid a cent of interest. I pay it off at the end of the month. I pay cash. I love paying cash, except when they give you money and points for using your credit card. I like using a credit card. But, but, but when you use your credit card, you're paying four years for, for what you did Christmas is five years ago. That ain't real smart, okay? Just pay cash. I mean, I know today if I said, hey, let's take a cash offering for the will for you like, dude, we love them, but man, they're going to get $7.50. I mean, you, you, know, you know what I laugh today about is when people, they, like, just recently somebody, like, have you been to Florida lately and they have those toll roads? And, and those toll roads, if you don't live there, they have this thing called money they want. And they want it, you know? You, you, you ever been down that way and, and they want all those tolls? How many of you are glad we don't have tolls right around Montgomery to ride around? I know you go, well, I live in Emerald Mountain Pasture. I always cross over or move. Okay, but no, no, I mean, it's a great place. Y'all don't know this. You know, we almost built the church at the base of Emerald Mountain. We really did. And you know why it got voted down? Because of the tolls. We had a church-wide meeting. The church was exploding. We were growing. And, and I remember we walked into a meeting. And we had this incredible deal. The owner, the developer, I'd done his daughter's wedding, and he wanted us there. And he offered us the land at $5,000 an acre. I mean, he was like giving it to us. He said, we want you, we want you. I'm like, you want us? And so we went into a meeting, and it came down to this. We had all these teenagers and kids, and all these moms jumped up, and I thought they were going to uh, celebrate. And, man, they were ticked. They said, no, I'm not having my kids on that road, and we're not paying tolls to go to church and all that. And it got voted down. And I went, oh, man, that's a bummer. And I'm so glad we didn't go to Emerald Mountain. How many of you would love paying a toll every time we went to church? Now, just pay your tithe. Okay, here, so pay cash. Here, let's keep going. Three, three, write it down. Complaining. Oh, wow. We spend a lot of time on that. Complaining always zaps the joy out of my life and your life. And complain, it, it drains the spirit. It drains the positive energy, the life that God comes to give us in his son when we get so negative. And, and the Proverbs tell us that the fruit of our lips, that's how our stomach is filled. And, and, and so as a Christian, listen, you're a Christ follower. We should be the happiest, most joyful people on the planet how many believe that eight of you that's awesome that's what's wrong with the church nobody thinks we ought to be joy-filled they go no we're christians and we don't have any fun jesus is taking all the joy out of us i can't i can't i can't you can you can you can you're not going to hell that ought to be joy your sins are forgiven. You can forgive people, man. And I could give you 3,000 reasons to have joy in Christ. And the church said, name them. No, I'm just telling you, man, I don't know. A lot of times I'm like, why aren't Christians joy-filled? Man, we, we got it. We got the reason for the season. We got Jesus. Man, he's awesome. And, I, man, I love that. We, we get knocked to the ground. And when you got, get knocked to the ground as a believer, you do what? You get back up in the spirit. And you rise up. 
Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have problems and trials and tribulations. Matter of fact, I think sometimes you have more. But complaining robs us of our joy. When we allow complaining to invite our lives, it replaces our joy. Listen, it replaces our joy with discontentment. If I just complain about everything wrong and all, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm devoid of what Jesus came to give me, the joy of his self, of his presence. The other thing I know complaining does, if you're taking notes, complaining hurts my witness and yours it just hurts our witness i mean who wants to be around somebody that's negative or complaining all the time like man you know i need some new friends i mean we we want to live with that overflowing joy spirit infused spirit filled life of jesus christ lord come and fill us help people want to be around us the the bible actually commands you and me to rejoice the Bible actually commands us not to complain, but to have joy, to rejoice in Him. I'll give you a verse. Write down Philippians 2.14. Do all things without complaining or disputing. But do all things. So Lord, this Christmas season, help me, help my friends to be more joyful, but to be less complainers than we have been in the past because it will help us. Lord, fill our mind with the joy of Christ. Fill our world, our realm, with the joy and the presence of the one that died for us. Fill us with the presence of the one that has come, that we might have life abundant. But Lord, come. Emmanuel, come. God is with us. God, come near. Let me, let me look, look, look at the fifth one. Well, the fourth one, approval seeking. Doesn't approval seeking get you in trouble? Man, it has me, it probably does you. You crave human praise, and God's like, no, there's not a time for that. One said, it's a, the scripture says it's a cistern, a container, a pot that can't hold water. So God, help me, help me to be a container that's filled with your presence, with, with your life. Lord, help this whole approval thing. You think about it. Approval is important to us. Somebody can say, I don't care. Well, you probably do. I mean, you, you, you care what you look like. You care how you dress. You care about some things. Somebody like, no, no, it's like, and don't look at anybody. Go, I don't think they care. Just, just, just look out. <laughs> and people are laughing. Okay, but I mean, but we do. I mean, you know, when you get up, like yesterday, I, I was at this place having breakfast with some friends, and, and, and this guy walked in. It was great, man. And uh, he walked in with his buddies, a bunch of old crusty. Uh, geezers and and, and and they're sitting over I'm becoming one of them that's what's so funny about it and they're all sitting over and this one guy I mean it was atrocious he looked like some kids that come to church sometimes that like have cowlicks and don't comb their hair they just jump in the car you know and like and this guy's hair man it's just all over his head it's like he ain't seen a brush I went I know he ain't married there ain't no way his wife let him out of the house looking like that and that brother just sitting there, man, I, and I got to tell you, I started laughing to myself. I had so much joy. It was fun. He didn't know I was laughing at him. And then he looked back at me, and he started laughing. So, you know, I don't know. You know I don't, no, he did. I, I didn't. I did kind of chuckle on the inside. You know, I don't, it's kind of funny. Here, look, look, look at the fifth one. Here's one. Sin. Sin will rob your joy in mine every time. There's no greater scripture that I found in my perusal of Scripture than Psalm 51. The great king, King David, he was very remorseful and broken over his sin. 
he came with a heavy heart to God, begging God, have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my sin, my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from sin. He was so heavy hearted. He cried out to the God, to his God, to restore. And I love what he goes on and says, restore the joy of your salvation. You know, when you're entangled in sin, when you embrace sin over the Savior, you lose all your joy. And David knew that sin had, had amped up, sin had become dominant in his life, and he knew he needed to release sin. He needed to relinquish it, and he needed to surrender afresh to Almighty God. And he cried out to the God of heaven to release him and to heal him and to forgive him. So here's a practical application today. Is there a sin? What sin are you possibly harboring in your heart? This morning, for about 25 minutes, before I ever got out of the bed, I was burdened about some things, and I just spent some real time in just worship but confession to the Lord. You ever have those mornings for you? Something like, brother, are you kidding? If I'm in that bed, I ain't really thinking about Jesus. I'm my eyes, man, in the back of them, you know. I got to get up before I talk to him. And I was just laying there, man, just, just talking to him. And the Lord, he just put some things in my heart that, you know, hey, I want you to deal with this today. This is something it's not pleasing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the very thing you're going to preach about today. It's going to steal your joy. And man, me and Jesus just had time just crying out for mercy. How many of you love that you can cry out to God for mercy? How many of y'all blow it? Oh, we got a few perfect saints in here. That's unbelievable. Man, line, line, line. I'll preach on that after Christmas. Okay. Jealousy, pride, spiritual laziness, bitterness over past hurts, all those. God wants his people to be joyful, but sin kills our joy. God wants you and me to be joyful, but sin kills and steals and robs the joy that is mine as a child of God. It really does. So we're free in Christ to stop sinning. We're free in Christ to run past our sin, to move on past our sin, to trust Him. We're not set free to sin. We're, we're set free to sin less, to become more like Christ. Look, look, move with me, though. So we've got approval seeking. We've got sin. Look at the sixth one. We've got trials. Trials will take the joy of the Lord out of your life. And you and I have trials. Maybe you've just come through a trial. Maybe you're getting ready to head into a trial. Maybe you're in the middle of a trial. And it's just hard. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James knew trials would be many. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and you may be complete, lacking nothing. James is trying to tell you now today, you're going to have trials in this world, but be of good cheer. The Lord has overcome. And in those trials, listen, in the trials, if we submit them to Christ, God matures, He develops, He defines, He grows us in to the image of Christ. I got to tell you, a lot of times, I don't like to see y'all suffer. I don't like to suffer. But it's the way of a Christ follower. And anybody who just wants to hang up on prosperity theology that only good things can happen to you and on and on, I'm like, man, you just not read your Bible very well. It's just part of it. And in those trials and in those challenges, 
there are opportunities to embrace God's grace and to know him better and and he allows my I believe I, I read this it says a trial is a painful circumstance that has been allowed by God in the life of a believer to make our make us close followers of Jesus and to love our Lord better better how many of you know that those trials are for a purpose how many of you believe the trials have been permitted by the hand of a holy God they've been filtered through God's hands to touch your life and mine God is never surprised by the woes and the challenges and the hurts and the pains and the disappointments of this world. But He's a God that rules in a sovereign manner and He loves each of us by name and He's died for us and He's come to rescue us and He's for us and He's not against us. And I'm going to start preaching Romans if I don't stop, Doug. Man, I love Romans. If you hadn't read Romans lately when Christmas is over, you ought to just start reading it. Have you ever had a bad day? You're like, yeah, man. Like, Every other day, well, okay, well, wow, boy, you're fun. I mean, have you you ever done this? When I wear a white shirt, you know, I used to wear a lot more white shirts than I do now. I wear them under suits and stuff. But if I wear a white shirt, I am paranoid all day. Like, I'm going to get something on me. And when you go to eat, you're thinking, glory to God. Like, you know what I want to do? I want to take my shirt off. But that would not be proper for your pastor to, to walk in and take his shirt off. Can't you see me in a restaurant and say, you fool, you walk in like, what's he doing? He don't want to get it on his shirt, you know. And I've even told myself this when I had a tie I've learned a long time ago, throw the tie around here or I'll tuck it in my shirt like I don't want to wear, you know, mustard on my tie. You know, I want to be nice and neat, you know. And you just, you, you just make a mess, you know. And I've even got to the end of the meal and went, I am so proud of me. Look at this. Pride goes before the fall. Before I get the bill paid, I look down like, yep, uh-huh. Glory to God, I knew I should have took my shirt off. Yeah. What'd you learn in this sermon? Take your shirt off before you eat. No, 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 here we go. But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when trials come. Because they come. And trials are for us. And, and that passage in James, I could preach on that the rest of the day, but I got to keep moving. It's just powerful. It talks about it, that God allows them to mature us spiritually, that he is completely in control. Look at the words of application right there in the middle of the page. Because, man, I could get, I get so excited about all these verses. And I go, God, consider it all joy. I trust you, God. I love you. I need you. Right before I go to that section, I want you to write down one last thought. I got this. Trials are opportunities not obstacles trials are just opportunities to draw close to christ melissa shared part of that in her testimony this morning it's to draw closer to god to draw closer to jesus they're not obstacles that are going to stop us from being holy matter of fact they're probably going to make us more like christ if we pass the test if we go through the trial with jesus but if we try to do it on our own we probably are going to get kind of messed up and not look very good and then oh i i didn't give you one sorry kathy i know you're uh, uh, seeing seven living in the past there, there's one I, I got that one when you live in the past man you're always thinking about the past and you're always living in the past and you're always comparing everything to the past man the joy the joy just leaves it's like god I, I gotta let go of those past memories they're good and those are good we celebrate and those bad ones we gotta let go some people are just so hung up on sin they committed decades ago or whatever if you confess that if you repented of that you are free in jesus christ and the church said that's the good news of the gospel god has died and come to rescue us to make us a free people 
So let go of the past. Don't live in the past. You know, you know, I'd rather focus on the past than the present. Why? And even if the past was great, it's the past. This is now. Tomorrow will come. But God, I want to enjoy this day. I, I love this verse. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice. Let us be filled with joy and be glad in it. Oh God, I got it now. So you want me to focus on the present, not the past, because when I focus on the past, listen, you get stuck. I get stuck every time I focus on something in the past that I did that was sinful or dumb, was not the wise choice. And God wants us to move on, so it prevents us from fully trusting God. Look at the words of application quickly. Here, they're all, they're all C's, okay? You can remember these really quickly. And, and as you're looking there, I want you to know, confess. Man, you want to have joy? Confess. Confess it to the Lord. Lord, I have sinned. Lord, I have fallen short. Lord, I've lost my joy. Lord, I admit, I agree with you. I come in a complete agreement. Lord, I've missed the mark. I have failed you. Your word, your Holy Spirit has convicted me. Lord, I confess. Lord, please, if you've got unconfessed sin, listen, hear me carefully. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life this morning, that's why you don't have the joy of the Lord. Confess it today. Get free. Walk out of here new. Get ready to embrace this season. Look at the second one. Confess sinner. Center your life on Jesus. Just Not just Christmas. Lord, when I center on you, it brings stability to my life. When I center on you, I, it helps me to make you the focus. Then, and only then, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength when I center on Christ. We all center on something. I mean, we, we can center on whatever it is that we like. And that becomes the obsession of our life. But I pray this Christmas, 2018, that Christ's community, as a church, as a faith family, as individuals, would choose to center on Jesus Christ and Him alone and worship Him. And Lord, my gaze is upon You. Lord, I look to You. You are the author and the finisher. You're the perfecter of my faith, says Hebrews. God, I need you. God, you're my satisfaction. Lord Jesus, I want to chase you. Here's what I've learned. You chase Jesus, he'll lead you to joy. If you don't pursue, if you don't chase after Jesus, you won't end up on Joy Avenue. You'll, you'll just miss it every time. And look at the third one. Confess, sinner, celebrate. Man, that's what I've come to do. Every Sunday morning, I come to celebrate the resurrected Christ. I come to celebrate that God is near, God is with us. I come to celebrate that God has rescued us. Oh, God, you're the great rescuer. That's what Christmas is about. Oh, I love the little reindeer songs. They're fun. I love the Santa thing. That's fun. But at the end of the day, guys, it's about Jesus. It's about a great God that has loved me, that cares for me, that's come near, that's moved into my neighborhood. He's moved into my heart. He's invaded my life in the person of the Holy Spirit. God is for you and me. Are you fired up, church? You celebrate His rescue. He establishes us in His Son. That's what God does. So joy is a condition of your heart. You just, I, I, I didn't even have fill in the blanks there. I just wanted to make it so simple. Hey, Caitlin, if you're in the team, if y'all just come forward, because right now I could preach another 30 minutes and some of you are saying, you are? I'm getting hungry, Pastor. My joy is gone. I could have put in there eight things that steal your joy when the pastor preaches a long sermon. But I'm not going to do that today, even though I want to. And there's a great verse there. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. I've got it in red. Joy, circle it right there. He, God has come to fill us with an inexpressible, glorious joy. I know, when I finish this series, you're going to know. Our pastor has preached joy-filled messages. God wanted us to hear about this inner joy that is ours. In your presence, this is my last verse. In your presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, 11. And that's what I've come to proclaim this morning, that sometimes we just get a little messed up. Sometimes we just miss the mark. But right now, we're going to pray. And the song, the, uh, the choir's like, we got a choir? Where's the choir? I don't know where that came from. I just I almost said choir. And I'm like, man, I've been pastoring church for 23 years, and we ain't got a choir. Like, man, you know, like, I, I, let the choir come down. Man, they're coming down out of the choir loft. You know, I, whatever. All right, let's pray. Oh, is, is it coming up? Don't let the devil steal your joy. Even when I mess up, oh, he definitely ain't getting my joy. I'm a fool, okay, for Christ. Let's pray. God, I love you. God, you are worthy of our celebration this morning. Father, thank you for the love of Christ that has come near at Christmas. Lord, help us to make you the famous one. Help us to promote you and to invite others to follow you. Help us to invite others to our fellowship and the offerings that we have this month as a fellowship. God, we love you. God, where we have let these things and other things rob our joy, help us to repent and receive the fullness of Christ this morning. Help us to draw near, Jesus. We love you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen.